This is the Illuminate Podcast, a Sandy Boy production. Each week on the Illuminate Podcast, the hosts will bring you insightful conversations and stories of people who are illuminating their own lives through their business, work, community, family, and world. And welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Emma Benner, and today I'm sharing episode 89 with Jessica Kused Eating and Alyssa Embry Schwartz. Jessica and Alyssa are the authors of Fade into the Bright, which is a young adult fiction book that was released in April. The novel is all about an 18-year-old named Abby who found out that her estranged father is dying from a rare degenerative genetic disease called Huntington's disease. This gives Abby and her sister a 50% chance of testing positive for the gene, and the book follows Abby after she flees to Catalina Island after testing positive. And May is actually Huntington's Disease Awareness Month, and Jessica and Alyssa are hoping to raise awareness for Huntington's disease through this book. And in this episode, we get to hear about the book stacks that some of their readers have created on Instagram to raise awareness and money for Huntington's disease. Jessica and Alyssa have a great story about the inspiration behind writing Fade Into the Bright, and you'll hear all about that in this episode. You'll also hear about how they've worked together on their writing projects since they met freshman year of college and all about pursuing their dreams of becoming authors, some of their favorite books that they've read, the writing process, and so much more. I just loved getting to talk to Jessica and Alyssa after I read their book, Fade Into the Bright, and I hope you love this conversation as well. Enjoy! All right, today on the Illuminate Podcast, I am so excited to be joined by Jessica and Alyssa, whose book was amazing, and I just finished this weekend, actually, so I'm excited to get to interview the both of you and hear all the behind the scenes of that, so welcome to the show, both of you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Yeah, so let's just kick it off. Can you both introduce yourselves, and then we can get into the book writing and how you met after that? Sure. Um, I am Alyssa Schwartz, and I live on the East Coast. I moved from LA, where I was writing in person with Jess. Now, I am in the DC area, writing on FaceTime. Um, yeah, that's me. <laughs> and I'm Jessica Kused Edding, and I live in LA still. I'm born and raised, so I guess I just Alyssa left, but I stayed forever. <laughs> And um, yeah, we've been working together for a really long time and I wouldn't want it any other way. Yeah. So how did the two of you meet? So we met actually the first day of freshman year in college. Um, First like class of the first day. Um, And it's funny because we actually initially did not like each other. Um, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I was all... sitting. I was sitting there, and I was sitting in this class, and the teachers, the professors, already started talking, and in walks like I don't know, five minutes late, like these platforms I hear like <laughs> clomping on the wood floor, 
And I look up and there's this girl with like giant platform shoes. And I'm like, oh my God, this is LA. Like I could, I'm never going to be friends <laughs> with that girl. And uh, I look over, I'm like kind of surveying the class, like, okay, you know, who's, who, who am I going to be friends with? And I see this girl looking at me with this like <laughs> look on her face. Like, I do not want to be her right now. I'm like, oh, that girl is like super sad. Okay, moving on. And then um, what happened was a few weeks later, we both had to stay late to talk to our professor um, just about something for class. And so we ended up having to walk home to our dorms together. It's literally just like a five minute walk. But in that span of time, we realized, oh my gosh, we don't not like each other. We're actually like soulmates. (laughs) Yes. we like we're talking about all the books we loved growing up and just we realized even though you know we kind of we basically realized that even though we grew up on opposite coasts we had had so many things in common and kind of so many weird touch points um in common that we're like okay obviously we have to be best friends <laughs> and, and we were yeah where did you guys go to college uh usc okay california okay um and did you both want to be authors and writers at that point in your life at that point in our life, um, we, we both have written all our lives. Like we have third grade books in our, you know, childhood bedrooms, like when we were in third grade where we wrote, you know, book series and things and like those black and white notebooks. Um, so we've always been writing. And then in at that point in college, we were in theater school. We actually wanted to be actors. And then we made a little pivot when we were 23. Mm-hmm. Um when we decided that we just couldn't take these humiliating auditions anymore and we should just write something ourselves and we wrote it and then we ended up selling it to Fox and then we became writers. And authors is the newer thing, which is really what we both dreamed of. Yeah, that was something that happened. We were screenwriters, solely screenwriters for about a decade, but always saying to each other, I'd love to write a book. I'd love to write a book. It was always, you know, something when we, if you would have asked us when we were kids, what we wanted to be when we grew up, we would have said authors. So we had one specific project that we were thinking about for a TV show. And our agent at the time said, you guys keep saying you want to write a book. Why don't you write this one as a book first? And then you can, you know, do what you want with it afterwards. And we were so excited by that idea. We literally like went home and started writing that day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and yeah, that was our first book series, um, Georgetown Academy, but we, we basically never stopped from that point on. When you were doing the screenwriting, were you working together then or both doing separate projects? Working together then. Really? Yeah. Yes. Uh Mm -hmm. How did you start working together? Like, how does that conversation come up that you want to do all of the projects? (laughs) We were, (laughs) (laughs) we were living together. Um, we were living in this very, um, kind of crappy apartment we had no money it was was very like post-college like yes we were freshmen in life we knew nothing but we thought we knew things but we didn't yes and that was what we decided we wanted to write about kind of that idea of being a freshman in life and so we we just started writing it together and it was fun it was productive we felt creative and that was that I mean we never talked about not writing together Right. I think that's the thing. And I think as time went on and we got, you know, more and more jobs, it kind of seemed like we just even found our groove more and more and more over the years. And I think even, I mean, it's been like a really long time now, but even 
over the last few years as we started like migrating into writing books, we've even honed that creative process further of just like how it works between the two of us so that it's just really enjoyable, to be honest. And is that common in the industry to to work together? Like when you pitch your, your ideas or you pitch working for someone, are they taken aback or is it normal? It's not normal. I would say it's, 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 it's become, it's pretty rare in comedy. It's not as rare, I find. Okay. But um, yeah, writing partners, it's not generally something that you see a lot of. And, and especially for books. I mean, there are some big other, you know, really big names out there that are duos. But for the most part, mm-hmm. authors, you know, it's a more solitary profession. And you guys have had a lot of success, like being on ABC. You've sold shows to ABC, NBC, CW, and so many places. What were some of those projects that you worked on? So we were we were in a really lucky position where we were able to sell shows every single year. Um, but the way that the television industry works is that you sell a show, but that doesn't necessarily mean that your pilot is going to make it to air. So oh. we had some super exciting ones, even with some, you know, great actresses attached and and very exciting premises to us, but that doesn't always mean they're going to go through because if they bought, you know, 20 shows, only three of those shows are essentially going to, you know, make it to air in the fall. That's kind of like the overall model of it. And that was one of the reasons, to be honest, why we got into writing books is that even though we were successful as screenwriters, we were getting a little fatigued at doing this work and selling these projects and not seeing them come to complete fruition as you know we wanted. And so um, with books, it gave us a chance to know, like if we sell this, it will go out into the world. People will be able to read it and enjoy these stories. And, and every, go ahead. Go ahead. Every <laughs> pilot gonna... season, the pilot was about something we were going through at that moment, which really? was really fun mm-hmm. to write. And wow. I mean, even we were going through something and Eva Longoria came to us with an idea and we were like, that's that's our lives right now. We totally know. So, you know, we ended up writing that one for her. And it's just been really fun to, it, it kind of makes you introspective and explore your life yeah. a little bit more when you're writing what you know. And it definitely brought the humor out and everything. Well, that reminds me. Sorry, Liz, but there was even one time where we literally, Alyssa was going through a little bit of a heartbreak, and we even turned that into a show that we sold, (laughs) which was that she literally, I had just gotten married, and Alyssa ended up moving in with me and my husband, and it was so fun. And anyway, we turned that into a show that we'd sold called Husband's Guide for Girls. That was, it's what Alyssa said. It was like, Whatever we were going through, yeah. we, we love writing, you know, a lot of times what we know and really kind of like exploiting that and those underlying feelings. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's what's really fun about TV. How long did you guys live together throughout that whole process? Um, let's see. Let's see. We had the, oh, you know, what's really funny. So we lived together after college and uh-huh. then what happened was um, we moved to a, we were with a few girls there and then we moved into an apartment that was just the two of us. And what happened was I got engaged, but I like didn't want to, and this isn't anything against my husband, but I also didn't want to like leave our apartment. <laughs> and it, I it was me at some point. I was like, Jess, 
I think you have to move in with Josh now. Oh. <laughs> I'd say it's a good friendship then. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it was like about a month before the wedding. She's like, you need to move on. <laughs> to start. I'll find a place. And then Jess found me an apartment. Oh, that's yeah, so funny. <laughs> oh my gosh. Was it hard to like live together and separate? working time and just hanging out time or like are you just so passionate about what you do that it didn't really matter that it was a topic of conversation a lot we're very scheduled routine people okay so we had our work time and we had our hangout time and it was kind of really split in in half like we didn't we we didn't have too much of a problem but it was fun you know going to dinner or hanging out and talking about the characters that's kind of our favorite thing to do just go back and forth about the characters um, so that was happening a lot, but we both, we both were in and out. We had different kind of different groups at the time. So it wasn't like we were on each other all the time. So it's great. I miss those days. <laughs> I miss, I miss those days too. <laughs> well, now you guys have had some really exciting things happen and you recently re- released a young adult fiction book. It's called Fade Into the Bright. As I mentioned, I just finished it this past weekend and I absolutely loved it. It was one of those books where you finish and you're like, now what? Now what do I do? Like those characters are like interwoven into my life now, you know? Oh, that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. And it's about a young woman who has found out that she carries the um, Huntington's disease gene, but you would do it better than I would. Can you give a brief description of the book that you wrote? So yes, of course. So we kind of see it as, um, you know, it's young adult contemporary fiction about two sisters, one summer, and this diagnosis that changes everything. And basically, it's about 18-year-old Abby. She's got her whole life ahead of her. She has a lot of plans that involve, you know, going to college to play volleyball with her, you know, best friend. It's her roommate. And this letter that she gets from her father, who she's estranged from at the beginning of our book, kind of upends everything because she finds out that he has Huntington's disease, which means she and her sister have a 50% chance of having the gene as well. And our story kind of catapults, um, you know, they both sisters decide to to undergo genetic testing. And our, our story kind of explores what happens after that. And how do the results from something like that influence you know, how you decide you want to live the rest of your life, who you want to love, what you want to do, what your priorities are, and how you interact with those that you love around you as well, both family and friends. So that's that's kind of the book in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those books with just such a deep meaning of like, what would you do if you found out like kind of like, I don't know, what, what would you do if you could look into a crystal ball and see the future and see all that was to come and how it could impact Mm -hmm. your life. And it had me sitting and thinking so deeply about like, why don't we all live just like thinking it could end, you know, or like, you know, you don't have that much time, like live what live the way you want to. And it was one of those that just had me thinking a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Good. We, We discussed this constantly and now we're seeing people who have read it, discuss it. Yeah. and go through it and the whole all the questions and things that we talked about um and it's kind of amazing that everybody co- connected with it the way we did and and kind of yeah can put themselves in the shoes of the question you just asked which is yeah like what would i do if if i had some knowledge of my future you know that kind mm-hmm. of double edged sort of a crystal ball 
And, and I think another question that pops up too is, you know, what I want to know and kind of like yeah. you're saying, maybe we should just yeah, live yeah. like that, you yeah. know, anyway, but what, what does knowing do for me or what should I just, you know, kind of on my own know that I want to get out of life um, with or without that. So all those are like really, really cool questions for us to get to dive in and explore you know, through these characters in different ways, because they all kind of start grappling with those things in different ways. Well, I really sat and thought, would I get that testing? Like, right. mm -hmm. it seems like I would be too curious and I'd want to know. But then when I read reading the book, it's like, gosh, I would be the same. It would just impact me so much if exactly. I knew I was I tested positive. Um so it's one a, of the questions of the book is if you knew how you were going to die, would you change how you choose to live your life? What is your answer to that question? And and has writing this book really made you look at life kind of differently? I think I think so. I think it was one line that we had in there that we just kept talking about, which is that, you know, Abby could die from any number of things before yes. Huntington's disease even affects yes. her. And that what was really getting me thinking. And to your point too is, if we why aren't we living every day like we're going to die? Because eventually we are. So we should mm -hmm. be living our life that way and making conscious decisions and being connected to ourselves. And that was kind of what I started thinking about nonstop is like how how conscious am I of all of these decisions that I'm making and how important they are and and what I'm prioritizing. And that definitely definitely was swirling around in my head. Yeah, and I think sometimes when we've we've read books where a character is ill, it's usually like a much more compressed timeline. It feels like, oh, you mm -hmm. only have like less than a year or it's, mm -hmm. you know, which is a whole different set of, you know, things to think about. And I think one of the things that really we couldn't stop thinking about is that it's not something that's happening to you now, but it's a glimpse into what you think your future you know, is, as Alyssa said, if you get to that point, if something else doesn't kill you first or something else doesn't happen to our world. And so just that idea of how much control do we really have, even with science and even with all these things kind of telling us certain things, how much control do we really have? And I think especially in the last year, we've all seen that. So um, yeah. I think those are all definitely things that came up a lot when we were writing and Alyssa and I are both control freaks. So that was, that's a hard, <laughs> a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think you'd get tested and, and find out if you were in Abby's situation? I don't hitter. think I, I, yeah, I went back and forth as we were writing. Like we, we both went back and forth and back and forth. We'd write a chapter and then we'd be like, nope, I wouldn't get tested. I think, yeah. I think in the end I would not get tested. And it I depends on how old I was as well. Yeah, I think ultimately I would. Um, but it's really interesting because we've had this conversation a lot now with readers and also even with friends while we were writing the book. And it's just always interesting to hear what people think or say, mm -hmm. you know, and, and what leads them to that decision. And, and it's also kind of, I think, just like worth noting that I think it's like 90% of those who are at risk for Huntington's disease choose not to test. Mm -hmm. So... Um, you know, definitely I understand that wanting to live in a place where maybe you just don't know right now and that's okay. What about you? Do you think you would test? Oh, that's a hard question. I went back and forth the whole book too, because <laughs> at first I was like, oh, I would test a hundred percent. It's one of those things that you just, I feel like you can't know until you're in the situation. But I think sitting, mm -hmm. finishing that book, 
seen the whole thing, I don't think I could test because I I would I would have trouble living knowing. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, um, that's how I feel. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. So talk about the inspiration behind the book and where it all came from. Well, it was sure. really inspired by Jess's cousin who married in, um, a woman who were really we were really close with. Jess, you can talk about her. <laughs> so, yeah. So my cousin's wife, Kate, who, right, we've all, Alyssa and I have just known literally since she was 18 years old. Her family has Huntington's disease uh, within the family, but they didn't know that until only about five years ago. So one of the things about Huntington's disease is that it's often misdiagnosed as, you know, Alzheimer's or Parkinson's. And so that was the case with her family. So um, about five years ago, they discovered that, you know, Kate's aunt actually had Huntington's disease, which meant all those siblings had a chance of having Huntington's disease. And... So Kate's mom tested positive and then Kate and her sisters, um, you know, had to kind of undergo the testing or chose to undergo the testing process as well. And so for Alyssa and I, we had never even heard of Huntington's disease uh, before they started going through this. It's not, you know, necessarily the most known disease. And that's one of the reasons why we chose to write about it is just to, you know, kind of put a little more awareness out there, but we watched the process. We watched the testing and um, we're just, we were kind of just blown away by the rules and the, how complex it was and all the, you know, emotions and decisions. And so a little bit after their testing, we were, we were playing around with a different idea and we just kept coming back to, to this. And we had the thought of, you know, let's make our main character 18 years old, which is the age where you're first allowed to test for Huntington's disease. And let's make her someone who tests and then she gets her results and she just gets on a plane and escapes. Mm-hmm. Because we because both that's felt what, like, that's what yeah, we would do. That's that probably what we would have done. Reaction. Uh, At 18 so, for sure. That was kind of our like seed of an idea, already having some of this knowledge from Kate and her family and then we just did a ton more research after that. So with both Kate and her family, but also other people and books and articles and podcasts and film to really just immerse ourselves in it. Yeah, I think it's awesome that you used a book to bring awareness to yeah, something that is so it's not well known. I grew up actually with one of my neighbors had it. And so I kind of mm-hmm. saw it in that way. And it's just so uh, such a devastating disease. And just it's unfair to, to watch it happen and, and see it. So and but I don't think I mean, I really don't think if I hadn't had my neighbor seen it with my neighbor, I would know what it is because it really isn't exactly. much in the public eye. No, it's it's not. And I think oftentimes too, like one of the, the challenges with it is that since people don't know about necessarily what Huntington's disease is, a lot of times those who have symptoms, you know, their people think that they're drunk, they're out and they're drunk because their motor skills oh, yeah. aren't, you know, perfect. And so, or, you know, there's just a lot of, of issues that come about by Huntington's disease not being more well-known. And so, and the um, stigma kind of that naturally attaches itself to something that's not well known. Mm-hmm, exactly. And what kind of research did you have to do 
to like prepare for it because I assume you had to have pretty much all the facts correct or probably all the facts correct just because someone (laughs) reading it that knows a lot about it would yes well we yeah (laughs) we definitely had it fact checked by two people um just to make sure we had everything right we have an author's note at the end that kind of explains what we did um take liberty with and what we did not but we did we there are a lot of books from first person accounts from caregivers and we read a lot of that then we read a lot of scientific um books like that really broke it down because we wanted to understand all of the different phases of it and really be clear on that. And then um, the Huntington's Disease Society for America, HDSA, they were very helpful. And they also have a forum where we would read, you know, really in real time what people were going through. And I think that probably affected us the most. Absolutely. So from start to finish, how long did, with all the research of it and then the writing process and the publishing process, start to finish, how long did this take to start and um, get out in the world? Well, it's interesting because we had kind of our gestation period. So we had the idea for the book and we were doing a lot of research and kind of plotting it out and the characters. And that probably took many months, I would say. Yes. When Yes. Okay. And yeah. then once we... I have we no concept that, of time. It's I all know. a blur, but I think it took many months. <laughs> I, let's, let's say that was like a, yeah, like a, maybe like a four to six month process. Well, we were doing, you know, we had other projects as well, but yeah. knowing this was going to be kind of become our next big project. And then our agent sold it. So we had written about a hundred pages and outlined the rest. And so then from that point, we... We had about, it ended up being about six months total, but we had only a few months to kind of get that first draft out. So we were working day and night for a while. Um, and then the rest of the months were just kind of fine tuning it with our editor. Um, and like Alyssa was saying, fact checking and making sure, you know, everything was was as it should be. And during that time, are you working on several projects at once or it's all on focus on this book? During this one, because of the kind of compressed timeline, once we sold it, it was just this. I mean, we were working all day and night. I would sleep in my office. We were eating and breathing and sleeping this book. And it it was, a, I think, the way that we had to do it. I think, like, it, we had a better product because we were so immersed in Abby's headspace Um, and our characters. And I think, you know, something that both Alyssa and I do, I don't know if this happens to other authors or not, but when we're really like, like in it with our writing, then we even start our dreams take place within the book. Um, So we were like in that zone. And that's really awesome. Okay. And then we really have to talk about how do you write a book together? I I need to hear about the process because that seems so complicated. I know. It ends up, we have it so fine-tuned and perfected now. At this point, it's been like 18 years we've written together. Wow, yeah. We outline, we do a really, really detailed outline. Um, And we do it on a Google Doc so we can both see it. And we're constantly adding, taking away, adding. And we... I mean, nobody would probably understand what our Google Doc said. We have so much shorthand at this point, but we really go beat by beat. Um, And we then we um, will go into the chapters and go beat by beat that we just have to be as specific as we possibly can, because we don't actually do the writing of the chapters together. 
So after the outline, we'll split up the chapters, we'll each write one, and then we'll swap and edit the other ones and then swap again. And we just keep swapping and editing until we're happy with that chapter. And then we move on. And do you always like agree on things that are going to happen in the plot or how do you solve those issues? So, yeah. So the, so the initial part when we're outlining and brainstorming, there's a lot of back and forth and rarely is one of us so married to an idea that the other one doesn't like. It's, it's really a lot of like, what ifs and if this goes with this and we, you know, we're kind of on the ride together. And then as we start getting more and more concrete with the details and the outline, um, yeah, there's times where we disagree, but we kind of also know at that point in time, like, okay, well, let's let's go with this and let's see what happens when it gets on the page. And we'll see if it's something that we need to then think about again or not. Um, and then even in the writing, like if something is bothering Alyssa or vice versa, even if I thought it was great, um, if it's bothering her, there's something still off with it. And maybe it's not an overhaul, but maybe there is something there that needs a second lock. And we both feel like that. So I think that just ultimately helps us at the end of the day. After writing together for so long, we don't really have like an ego about it with each other. <laughs> yeah, if she's yeah. like, that didn't work for me. I'm like, okay, something is wrong because yep. usually we mm -hmm. see eye to eye on everything. So yes. Well, there might be an advantage to working together because one of you can like, if one of you doesn't like it, it's more likely that, you know, like a reader might not like it or exactly. might not think it flows or something like that. So there's a lot of checks and balances there. Mm -hmm. That's Absolutely. exactly what it feels like. Yeah. And then were you both pulled to write young adult fiction or what was the draw to that for both of you? We, well, we've always loved reading young adult fiction and we grew up just obsessively reading, you know, Babysitter's Club and Sweet Valley Twins and then even like the darker Christopher Pike books and things like that. And then when we got older, we were still reading YA. And the thing I think we love about it the most is the age, that kind of coming of age when everything's raw, your emotions are raw, you're not jaded yet, you haven't set up all of your personal defense attacks to, um, and it's just that feeling where you're exploring things for the first time. And we just love taking characters and having them go through that journey. So do you find that you actually have a lot of adult readers? We do, yes. actually. <laughs> yeah, that was something that we discovered, you know, right when we started reading or writing YA is that there is an amazing adult community that reads it. There's mm -hmm. an amazing, you know, young adult community that reads it too. But I think it kind of speaks to what Alyssa was saying is that, you know, even as an adult, sometimes you read a story, you know, that's set within the head of an 18 year old. I mean, you're instantly transported back mm -hmm. to that point in time yourself. I think it's a time period that we all remember so viscerally. And so it's really fun to read stories set in that time period, even if you are a adult. <laughs> because we're all really still that 18 year old. Inside. Exactly. I mean, our brains are programmed to really remember and love the music from that time. And it's just, it's a time that we all are kind of, we just, it's very, very relatable for everyone, whether we want it to be or not. <laughs> so what's next? Are you guys working on anything right now? Well, we put, we were, had started bouncing around ideas for a sequel to our last book, The Lost Causes. They were interested in a sequel and we started bouncing around ideas. And then we just kind of were just so into this idea um, of Fade that we put it down. And um, so we might go back to that. We've been still bouncing around the ideas on that one, trying to to nail it down. 
And then we have a few other ideas that we're playing with too. We always have like to have a few kind of like ideas that we're marinating with. And Mm -hmm. then it kind of starts becoming obvious to us, like which is the one we should move forward with. Mm-hmm. When was the official release day for this book? April 27th. April 27th. Okay. What does a release day look like? Well, with COVID, it looks a lot different a little than different. it did before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, we had a launch party virtually, which okay. was really fun with our favorite indie bookstore in LA hosting. So that was fun. And people, there were just so many great questions people had. And Jess's cousin, Kate, um, actually moderated it and it was just it felt very celebratory and fun and then of course Jess and I did our own little champagne toast beforehand to congratulate all that work that we did yeah. and that was felt really nice <laughs> yeah and then also like I think a really exciting thing that's kind of come about over the last few years and that is definitely like a big part of launch day now for authors is social media and the bookstagram community yeah. is huge and amazing and we we love it as just you know readers um and then it's really exciting to be part of it as an author as well because a lot of times those are kind of your first readers and they're out there and they're excited and they're championing your book and it's your chance to kind of see you know what they thought of it or how they related mm-hmm. or what questions popped up in their brains reading it and so that was super rewarding for us this time around, especially just given the topic, seeing so many people on Instagram talking about HD and what it is Mm -hmm. and and teaching others about it now um, was super inspiring. Yeah. Have you gotten any good responses from people that maybe they have a family member or they themselves have been affected by HD? Yes. What's amazing is that um, a few women who read it decided to do a book stack challenge and match the challenge. Everybody who posts the purple and blue book stack would donate a dollar. They would match it up to a hundred dollars for HD. And it's overwhelming. There has been so much support. The stacks we just see constantly on Instagram with people tagging us in them. And it's been amazing. And then when you read the comments, people are really talking about it and they're talking about other diseases. There was someone who was talking about ALS on one yesterday that I was reading. It's just been, it's been really, really amazing to see it translate like that. Yeah, that's amazing. And speaking of that, May is actually Huntington's Disease Awareness Month. So are you guys doing any special, anything special with that and the book? Yeah, so definitely those stacks are part of HD Awareness Month. We're also doing a few things in conjunction with the NYA, the National Youth Alliance, uh, part of the HDSA. So um, we're going to be actually doing filming a little something with them. And then we're also going to be launching a book club for some of the kind of younger members of the HD community um, with our book. So we're super excited about that. That is so cool. You know what that reminds me of? Do you, you know the author Lisa Genova? She does. Uh, mm-hmm. She she wrote one yes. about Huntington's disease too that I read. Yes. That reminds me of that. Just how she uses her books to like at the end, you can always read more about. Um, you know, like Still Alice was about Alzheimer's, and then Inside mm-hmm. the O'Briens was about Huntington's disease, and it's just like brings awareness to different different types of things that exactly. we should all have on our radar. So that's what you guys remind me of. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Yeah, that was <laughs> definitely one of our goals in writing it was to kind of like make you care about these characters. So you wanted to learn more about the disease, you know, as a whole. 
Do you think you'll do more writing about different diseases or things for awareness? Um, I, you know, who knows? <laughs> I, yeah. I hope that, um, I hope so. It just kind of our ideas, what we end up writing, it's almost like we can't even backtrack to how it started. Right. Yeah. So I'm sure we will. I just have no idea. <laughs> You're probably both like, we haven't talked about this outside of the recording. <laughs> so what does it look like now that you guys are, um, how has it changed your writing process now that you guys have to do it all virtually being so far apart from each other? So to be honest, since we're on different coasts, we already are used to working on FaceTime and we kind of have that all on lock. The funny thing is that when we lived in LA, obviously we lived in the same apartment, that was easy. But then when we didn't live together, we would still sometimes work on FaceTime just because of LA traffic oh, yeah. and, and us being lazy. So we kind of already had this system down even before we lived on opposite coasts and definitely before COVID. That yes. was the one thing everyone around us was like, how do, how do you work from home? Oh my gosh. And we're like, well, that part we know. Um, uh -huh. That part we already knew how to do. Um, we were lucky there. Yeah. Is it hard being apart now, being so far away after so many years of living together and working so closely together? It is. Yes. But we, I still have family in California. We're constantly going there. And we met up in Catalina for a three-day oh, yes. research trip, which was Oh, you guys went there for the book. Yes. We went there together um, to do research for the book. It was like a little like writer's retreat slash mm -hmm. research project because our book takes place on Catalina. And we had the best time as you can probably tell from the book, we fell in love with Catalina while we were there. And um, I can't wait to get back there. Is it really how it's portrayed in the book? Oh, it's exactly yeah. how it's portrayed in the book. <laughs> A lot of the characters were are inspired by people we met really? during that oh, trip. Cool. And it was really cool. Like there, there was a waitress who told us so many great things that we that we ended up, you know, oh, using amazing. and looking up for ourselves. But yes, it's just like that. You've probably inspired so many people to head there for a summer to be unplugged and <laughs> refresh over it there. It should. It's the best. Yeah. <laughs> it took us a minute to get used to it. We're like, wait, there's like really no Wi-Fi? Like I thought that was just like a thing. Yeah. I'm like, is there really, really no Wi-Fi? And then we loved it. Yeah, just yes. like the after characters. Jessica got over the panic that she was like, "How am I going to watch The Bachelor?" <laughs> that, was once that, that problem was solved, it was, was a fin all finale. It wasn't just The Bachelor; it was a finale. <laughs> did you get to watch it, or did you have to wait? Um, no, I did. I literally was that person with like a cell phone, like standing on a chair in the corner, like craning <laughs> to try to get like a bar of cell service to watch it. That's that was me. Oh, my gosh. Um, so how can we find your book? What's the best place to check it out and buy it? Well, we always love for people to support their local independent bookstores. So we'd say that's number one, wherever you live, but it's also available wherever you buy books. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, any of Target. those Target, yeah. any of those places, uh, you can you can pick one up or buy it online. And that rolls right into the wrap up question of what are each of your best or most recent book that you've read? I'm sure there's a big list or or maybe the opposite because you write so much you're like burned out. I don't know. Tell me. No, no we, we love, love reading. Okay, <laughs> good, good. <laughs> I think that the most recent book I read, and I did happen to love it, was These Women by Ivy Pakoda. 
it's just one I can't stop thinking about. It's like, it's crime fiction, but it's feminist driven, like mm. highlighting these marginalized women in South Central LA. It's phenomenal. And then the one I'm reading right now is Win by Harlan Coben, who is like just an old standby, one of Alyssa and my like favorite authors. He's so effortless. I don't understand how he does it. Um, but then probably my favorite book that I've read recently was The Nightingale, which I'm like a few years behind the times on, but I'm so <laughs> glad I picked it up because it was amazing. So I'm a big reader too. And that's kind of the problem of this question is like my list just grows and grows and grows mm -hmm. at a way, ra way more rapid pace than I can read. <laughs> Completely. Yes. Yeah. I know. I just started I've Memorial and I'm loving it. Oh, I read that um, like a few months ago. It, it's really good. That. Do you guys oh, wow. tend to oh stick God. to like reading fiction or do you venture to a lot of nonfiction too? I usually do nonfiction with audiobooks. Okay. And my husband is a big nonfiction reader. He barely reads fiction. So a lot of times, so I feel like he kind of goes through the process and is like, you'll love this one. You'll love this one. And so I, I try to mix it in as well. Sometimes I'll be listening to a nonfiction book and reading a fiction book, which can get, <laughs> the worlds can sometimes get mixed in my yeah. head and it can get pretty confusing. But that's kind of how I like to roll. Yeah, I like to read nonfiction books that almost like still read like fiction. So like even, mm, you know, too. Untamed, which I know Alyssa and I uh. are both like huge fans of, the voice, it just, it reads so compulsively and mm -hmm. the way she tells it are like little stories. So it, it feels like fiction, even though it's resonating, uh, you know, so deeply and it's nonfiction mm -hmm. and, or even like uh, Jonathan Krakauer, like Missoula is such a, a, a standout, um, but it reads like fiction, even though it's sadly not Mm -hmm. I do and too. Larson, I really yeah. like that. I like to have two books going at once too, like a nonfiction and a fiction mm -hmm. book just to get like a mix of both. And when I want to break from exactly. one can pick up the other one. So exactly. I'm always exactly. double dipping in that. <laughs> that's, that's so interesting. Cause I feel like, yeah, people are either like, I can only read one book at a time or they've got like a few different ones going. Um, definitely a point of contention among readers. I know. Which and if I don't are. do that, I, I like read fiction and then I go to nonfiction and then fiction. I don't know why right. it's like how, how I have to do it because it's like almost like then the characters in the fiction book don't get all mixed up in my head and like that yeah. kind of thing. It just helps to like refresh before the next mm -hmm. one. Yeah, exactly. We agree. Same. Um, we're so agreeable. We got this. I know. <laughs> it's the best way to read. We all know it. <laughs> we're going to get hate mail for this. I know. <laughs> um, who or what is inspiring in your life right now? I think the book stacks have been so inspiring. Yeah, for I real. Mean, every day. And we're talking like many stacks every day come into our feed. And I, that's just, it wasn't something we even initiated, something our readers were inspired to do. Mm -hmm. And that's what's so amazing about it. Exactly. The fact that this is something that I wish I would have thought of, and it's, but it's something that readers thought of from, you know, reading this story and that's what they felt inspired to do. And now they're reaching other people, just that whole chain reaction of how stories can like reach people with those tentacles. It's just, that's been super inspiring to both of us. How amazing to just sit back and, and look at it and say like, we kind of, like we were the backbones to create it, you know? Amazing. It really yeah. feels, it's so heartwarming is the other word I can use to describe it. Yeah. It's really great. And then is there a hashtag that goes along with it so we can find those? 
Yes, it's hashtag stacks for HD awareness. Okay. Okay. I have to go check it out. Um, and then is there an organization that you both would like to illuminate and share about? So I think we have two. So one is clearly the HDSA, which is the Huntington's Disease Society for America. And not only, of course, you know, are we hoping to shine a little light on them because of our story, but they've also just been super amazing and helpful to us in our research as well. Um, and then I know Alyssa wanted to talk about one as well. Yes. Um, I've been volunteering um, for the nonprofit CASA for five years. Um, CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocate. And we work with kids in the foster care system who are abused and neglected. And it's a national organization um, of volunteers and judges appoint us. We speak in court and we speak for the safety and the well-being of the children. And it's been a really, really phenomenal experience and life-changing for me. Amazing. Someone else actually recommended them because they volunteered with them. And I just, I love that. Oh, awesome. And then let's finish it off. What is your, both of your messages to the world? I think we have the same one um, that we agree on for sure, which is lead with empathy. That's something that we try to do every single day. It's something that we do when we write and when we do it with, with our own lives. And it's something that we feel like is so powerful, you know, with books and reading is that you're always putting yourself into a character's shoes as you're reading. And it kind of, I think, opens you up to even, you know, more in the world around you and understanding other people's point of views. And I think that's, we both think that's kind of the key to, to everything is, is kind of seeing where other people are coming from and having that empathy for them. All right. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation and a big special thank you to Jessica and Alyssa for coming on the show. As they mentioned, you can find their book Fade into the Bright at any bookstore, but you can also learn more at jessicaandalyssa.com or you can find them on Facebook at Liss and Jess or on Instagram at It's Jess and Liss. You can also follow us on Twitter at Illuminate underscore pod or on Instagram at The Illuminate Podcast. And don't forget to also check out the other shows in the Sandy Boy Productions podcast network. You can find out more at sandyboyproductions.com or on Instagram at sandyboyproductions. The other shows in the network are the Urban Pharmacy podcast, which is all about plant-based eating and healthy lifestyle. And the All Have Another podcast with Lindsay Hine, where Lindsay interviews elite, professional, and everyday runners. And then the Up and Running podcast is a news-based podcast all about the latest news in elite and professional distance running. And then lastly, we have the Why Is Everyone Yelling podcast with Lindsay Hine, which is where Lindsay chats with experts and everyday parents all about the parenting journey. So there's really a show for everyone to add more shows to your podcast queue. All right, that's all I have for you today. So thank you for listening to my conversation with Jessica and Alyssa, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your week.